This is Hope and Health with Doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood. Insights and interviews with a dose of straight talk to help you enjoy optimal health in all areas of life. Welcome to Hope and Health. I'm Dr. Mark Sherwood, and today we're continuing our series on hormones. If you missed earlier episodes of this important series, I highly recommend them. Today's episode is brought to you by our online course, Hormones. Understand and balance your hormones naturally. Just go to Sherwood.tv forward slash hormones to learn more and enroll. This 17-session course is only $19.99 and includes $30 in bonuses, including a discount on hormone-related treatment at our clinic, where we serve patients from around the world. So tonight, we're going to talk about uh, several different things, and it's very important to understand um, that we always talk about this idea of foundational wellness, because one of the greatest attacks of the enemy in our life, we're talking about Satan, is to attack your physical health. We say, well, he's trying to kill you. Well, he can actually do better than kill you. He can keep you alive while keeping you sick, which makes you focus on your sickness instead of your wellness. When you do that, you focus on him versus what God does. God's about healing. Satan's about sickness. So it's just real elementary stuff, but we need to think through that quite a bit because it can really get us way off course. So as always, we like to start off talking about those seven foundational pillars of wellness. What are they? Well, at the top of the list, of course, we know nutrition. If nutrition is all junked up, uh, things aren't going to work well on the inside. And as we've talked through the process in previous episodes, nutrition can cause all kinds of oxidative stress in your body, which is Mm. premature rusting or aging. So if you don't have that nutrition right what's at the end of your fork, which we uh, consider to be the most important medical decision that you make every single day, is your fork curls. Like Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So again, today, we just ask that you really begin to have a relationship with what it is that you're eating. I know we're stressed. I know Mm. we're on the run. I know we're moving fast. We're raising families. But if we're eating garbage, there is no... Uh, amount of cellular nutrients in that garbage that can actually uh, create health or vitality. The next one we talk about is sleep. We need to get seven to eight hours a night uh, regardless. A lot of people take pride, and it's false pride, in getting less sleep and getting more done. But if you try to get less sleep to get more done, you're going to find out you have less time on this earth because it will kill you. We need to rest more, turn it off more. The only time the body can recover It's while you're sleeping or while you're resting. Think about that the next time you decide to cut short your sleep. Now, the next one is stress management. And we've talked a lot about stress management in the past. Hans Selye coined a term called gas, Mm. general adaptation syndrome. And if you're stressed out all the time, your body is running in a process called sympathetic overdrive. And that eventually wears out the adrenals. So when you get to the middle of your day, sometimes even when you roll out of bed, you feel like you're gassed. And that comes from the inability to manage stress. That's the number one reason why people come into the doctor's office is they can't manage their stress and they're doing unusual, unnatural 
behaviors such as drinking, drugging, poor nutrition, stuffing their face, emotional eating, causing all kinds of internal physical havoc. So we've got to learn how to change our perspective, change how we perceive stress. And isn't this a great climate to try to do that in? We're being barraged with our eye gates, our ear gates, our sound gates, sometimes even our touch gates. If we're reading that newspaper, it's coming in uh, by the multitudes all day long. We need to move more, sit less. That's the fourth one, movement. Didn't say exercise. I said move more, sit less. Find something you like to do and do it more. That's important. Many times people think they have to go to a gym. Not really, but if you want to, that's okay. If you don't want to, the good old-fashioned walk is about all you need to do. So make sure you move more, sit less. That's the key right there. And hormones. We're going to expand on another very special hormone tonight, but hormones are special chemical messengers, as you will talk about in just a minute, that have profound effects on the human body. And if hormones aren't balanced, boy, it sets us up for all kinds of havoc in our systems and chronic disease. We also spend a lot of time talking about DNA because we know that our genetics are really the key to understanding how we're supposed to function. Remember, our genes aren't born bad, but they've only changed 2% in 10,000 years. I encourage you to get your genetics done at some point through us, and we'll help you walk through that process and finding out what is the best, most personalized plan for your lifestyle to optimize function. And last but not least is peptides. Peptides are signaling molecules. They're strains of amino acids that are chained together in links of less than 50 amino acids, oftentimes less than 40 amino acids. And they have profound effects on your body. They have profound effects on your brain, sleep patterns, regeneration, muscle uh, building, body fat loss, wound healing, and the list goes on. Now, keep in mind, these seven foundational pillars can't work well if we are emotionally or spiritually broken. That's right. Many times the overriding theme is not addressed. That's spiritual and emotional wellness. And remember this. This is a statement that we've seen. The majority of all physical manifestations of disease are rooted in physical or spiritual and emotional brokenness. So we want to make sure we get that right. So we're going to deal with the whole person. And we're going to jump right back into the middle of our hormone discussion tonight. We've been covering these things uh, as the weeks go on. And tonight we're going to cover another one. But just a real brief overview of hormones. We need to understand there are chemical messengers produced in the endocrine system. So I want you to think of these, these hormones as emails. Emails that travel through the system carrying a message. There's all kinds of emails in our system. Our system needs emails to communicate. So our endocrine system is like a messenger system. And the messengers are these wonderful things called hormones. And so we're going to talk about several of these hormones over the next several weeks. But tonight, we're going to talk about one in particular. But before we do that, let's continue with an overview. What do hormones really look like in action? Well, you know, hormones come from signals mm -hmm. from the stress responses or the perceptions that actually hit the brain. They, that perception comes from your eye gates, your ear gates, your smell gates, your taste gates, and even your touch gates, like we mentioned 
earlier. And when these signals come in, they signal the brain, the hypothalamus, to send another message via a hormone to the pituitary gland. Then the pituitary gland launches these signals to other glands in the body, the thyroid, the adrenals, the male and female sex glands saying, hey, here's an email. I need you to respond or react to this. And then that tissue of origin, which whatever it is, carries out this special chemical message. I think chemical messengers are great, you know, when they think about them. We need emails, as I stated, so it's very important. Now, when you think about this, you think about a person that might be stressed out, you know, that might be eating pizza or cookies or donuts like at night, can't stay can't stay asleep, and they're, they're just completely out of whack. And that happens to people. And people begin to behave differently when they don't have communication working right. It's just like a company. If a company's not communicating well they'll behave in a dysfunctional manner, or that company will be dysfunctional. It'll probably start losing money. Well, in our own life, when the hormones are not working well, we don't have good email signaling. It's not about losing money. It's about accumulating this thing called wellness debt. And I think that's a very important term to keep in mind. And are you in wellness debt, by the way? Think about that for a moment. All right. There's some important hormones we're going to talk about yes. over the next ding, several ding, weeks. Ding, ding, ding. The estrogen progesterone, mm -hmm. testosterone. Yes, males and females have different amounts of each, mm -hmm. and the amounts of each in each um, sex, if you will, has specific mechanisms of action. So there's more of certain hormones in males and more of mm -hmm. certain hormones in females. The sex determines the amount. Thyroid. Thyroid is a very important chemical messenger, as well as cortisol, insulin, leptin, and then DHEA, which stands for dihydroepiandrostenendione. Hmm, big word. I love it when she talks sexy like that. That's kind of funny. Now, the awesome part about all of these is that having them in balance and optimized is the key. We've talked before about insulin, which mm -hmm. is what? So insulin is really a fat-storing hormone. Remember, that's the hormone that elevates in response to high blood sugar. That's a big deal. And then we also talked about cortisol and how cortisol elevates when we are under stress. So cortisol also elevates blood sugar, which drives insulin. But tonight, we're going to talk about a different hormone altogether. Many of you may have not heard of this. Maybe you have. But most of you probably have not and have no idea what this hormone is. What is this hormone we're going to talk about tonight? The hormone we're going to talk about tonight is called leptin. Leptin is known as the satiety hormone. Mm. And interestingly enough, leptin is made in the fat cells. It's much like insulin, where insulin takes blood sugar down to keep the system safe. Mm -hmm. Well, leptin signals the brain to turn off appetite when the stomach is full. Now, just like there is a problem with insulin resistance in regard to too much sugar on board, there's also a, a, a problem with too much leptin on board. If we get more and more fat cells, we produce more and more leptin. Therefore, eventually, the brain gets barraged with this leptin signal and it becomes resistant to the satiety signal that is, occurs when leptin hits the brain. So leptin resistance is real. 
Now, there are a percentage of people in the population that have um, insufficiencies in a gene called MC4R, melanocortin receptor 4. And when this gene has alterations in it, there is an abnormal abnormality in the satiation signal with leptin. So these people don't have the ability to know when they're full. I call that the death by buffet gene. Wow. No pun intended. But literally, these are the individuals, when we find that in the, in the genetic report, we say, you know what? You've got to put a lock on the refrigerator. Hmm. You're the one that's going to sleepwalk at night. You're the one that's going to go through that whole bag of chips and go, wow, what just happened? You don't have the ability to turn the satiety signal off. And also in these individuals, just like people who put on a lot of weight, and have insulin or leptin resistance, it really does take behavior modification and really having a relationship with what you're doing with your fork curls and what's at the end of your fork. It's amazing with leptin. So as Dr. Michelle said, it's too much fat equals too much leptin equals leptin resistance, means the body doesn't understand that there's fuel there anymore and it begins to slow down your metabolism. Another dastardly thing I would say about leptin is if it gets built up in your system, it actually accumulates in the joints, creating a lot of joint pain. So you get overweight, you don't hear the full signal anymore, and now your joints hurt. So that's a big-time trifecta of problems with this hormone called leptin. And so we go right back to this idea of what creates the concept of too much blood sugar, too much cortisol, and too much fat grabbing too much leptin. Well, it's when we consume these things called inflammatory foods. And yes, we do sound like beating up a dead horse, but this horse needs to be beaten over and over again until we get the message. What are those inflammatory foods? Well, first of all, I have to say, why do we keep beating a dead horse? <laughs> well, we haven't seen profound yeah. change. Mm -hmm. We're all just not getting this yet. We need to be reminded. We need to continue to grow the things in our kitchen in a healthy manner mm -hmm. and throw that garbage out of the pantry. And those things we need to throw out are things like sugars and artificial sweeteners. Fried foods, if you're still frying foods, picking up fried foods, that is oxidizing your system, and likely you're going to have internal damage in those biomarkers. MSG, monosodium glutamate, or other chemicals and fillers, you got to turn that label around, and you got to look at the label and find out what you're really putting in your system. It's going to surprise you. Even your seasonings, if you look at those labels, it's going to surprise you what's on the label. Processed foods. Oh, my goodness. It seems like in today's day, we're not huh. at home in the kitchen at night cooking fresh food. We're going for all those things in box and packages, and we're just consuming whatever we can get our hands on because it's quick, it's fast, and it's easy. easy. Sodas, don't drink your calories, and certainly don't drink artificial sweeteners. That's just pollution. And we've talked about how you get that stuff out. The solution to pollution is dilution. Just don't drink it. Oh, i got to tell you one thing about sodas I learned today. There's an ingredient in there called Cinemix, S-Y-N-O-M-E-X, Cinemix. Uh, it actually is in Pepsi. It's developed it. Believe it or not, there is a tie to human fetal cells. Isn't that crazy? Very interesting. I, I learned that 
today recently, and so it was it was amazing to hear that. Now, does it contain fetal cells? I don't know, but is it tested on them? Yes, it is, mm-hmm. right there in your soda pop. So it makes you go, blah, I shouldn't have drank it, any of that. Wish you could go back and retract all those sodas you've taken in. Also, breads and grains. We know that in 80% of the people that we test genetically, there is an intolerance or there's a problem with the digestion of gluten. And mm-hmm. if that problem, you know, is large, it's likely that that's going to cross over to other grains as well. The other things we have to really watch is yeast, corn, and soy. These are inflammatory, disease-causing to everyone, young and old, all the time. Yeah, and it's important to understand when you consume these foods, there's a lot of teachings going on right now that say, we can just take this supplement or take this medication, everything will be okay. Friend, that's not true. That is misleading you. And I'll be bold enough to stand the gap and say, that's not true at all. That We're looking for quick fixes. Quick fixes are not found. Wait, are you telling me I can have my, I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too? Yes, I'm saying you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You're being deceived. America is still getting unhealthier by the day because we are so deceived by this idea that there's a quick fix out there, a silver bullet. It doesn't work. What does work is consistency and deliberate intent every day with good habits of eating these things, the anti-inflammatory foods. What are those anti-inflammatory foods? Well, high-quality proteins is going to be at the top of the list because amino acids are the building blocks of life. So when we're looking at proteins, we're looking at things like organic, mm-hmm. grass-fed, grass-finished, free-range, and wild-caught. We also want to consume plenty of healthy fats and healthy oils. These are coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil, and good nuts and seeds. With the nuts and seeds, you want to be careful that you are not consuming an over amount of mm. roasted and salted nuts because it oxidizes the oils in those nuts. Mm-hmm. Low glycemic fruits, berries, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, boysenberries, oranges, apples, semi-ripe bananas, and then last but not least, low glycemic non-root, non-starchy, above-the-ground vegetables. These are anti-inflammatory, non-disease-causing to everyone, young and old, all the time. Now, you can't pray away, pill away, hormone away, supplement away, or exercise away a bad diet. That just won't work. It won't work at all. No, we continue to talk about these things because we want you to have good foundational Wellness. Good foundational wellness is only done and only achieved through consistency of these basic small habits, which is doing small little good things every day for a long, long time. That's what we developed, the 40-day reset plan. Now, 40 days doesn't seem like long, and that's good in one hand, because you can do anything for 40 days, right? But can you do our 40-day reset plan? 40 days is not long. But it can be significant and it can be monumental in your wellness journey. How many of you out there have said, hmm, I don't really know what to do? Or maybe you said this, I know what to do and just don't do it. Well, that's what this plan's about. 40 days is for you. So go right now to Sherwood.tv forward slash 40. And we've constructed a 40-day reset plan for you that includes a detox, including 28 meals, It's got three or four supplements within packages to help your liver function. We've given you our anti-inflammatory plan, our vitamin D and K combinations, our omega-3 combinations in therapeutic dosages for the whole 40 days, as well as these unique homeopathic drops 
that cause fat to come off, muscle to stay on, and helps you with this wonderful thing called cravings. That's the 40-day plan. So we want to encourage you to go there right now, sherwood.tv forward slash 40, and get started on that. Call the 40-day challenge from Mark and Michelle to you. So we hope you enjoy that. We hope you enjoyed this little talk on hormones tonight. Hope and Health is brought to you today by our online course, Hormones. Understand and balance your hormones naturally. Hormones get blamed for various symptoms and they get too much credit as a fix for ailments. Just go to Sherwood.tv forward slash hormones to learn more and enroll. Here are just a few areas we cover in 17 sessions of this comprehensive and practical course. Symptoms and causes of hormone imbalance. Cortisol, the stress management hormone. Thyroid, the metabolism hormone. DHEA, the sex hormone producer. Estrogen, the female sex hormone. Progesterone, the mother hormone. Testosterone, the male sex hormone. And restoring hormone balance. Go to Sherwood.tv forward slash hormones to learn more and enroll. So welcome to Perspective for tonight. Uh, This is an interesting perspective. I'm going to call it God's Law versus Man's Law. Now this perspective is based upon a story that I want to kind of illustrate for you. I'll read it in part. It's a story that you know. It's from Daniel, the book of Daniel. And I want to go through a couple of examples on a comparison between man's law and God's law. What do we do when man's law supersedes, or man's law contradicts God's law. What is our proper response, and how do we do that? Right. So when we look at this, we're going to be looking at various scriptures. In Daniel chapter 6, we'll be looking at verse 6 through 12, and verse 15 through 22. And I'm just going to kind of read this for you, and I want to point out a couple things. So the administrators, and you remember just background information, Daniel was one of the um, the finest, uh, brightest stars in the in the city of Jerusalem. Now when Babylon came in under King Nebuchadnezzar and captured Jerusalem, they actually kidnapped or took some of these rising young stars from Jerusalem back to Babylon to have them and their skill indoctrinated into Babylonian culture, language, and habits so they could begin to benefit the kingdom of Babylon. And, of course, this was a great strategy by Nebuchadnezzar because he would take the best of other uh, countries and cities and use them for his good. So we read beginning in Daniel chapter 6, verse 6. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, the significant thing about this to this point is Daniel had actually been promoted into the kingdom. He was one of the kind of the high-level managers, maybe the, the underneath, he would be one of the vice presidents under King Darius. Now, 
King Darius came after King Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar is the one that recognized Daniel was so talented. And Daniel began to challenge the guards when he was first brought to Babylon to uh, this Daniel diet. In other words, Daniel was saying, give me vegetables. And he showed them how good he was. He was smarter. He began to interpret dreams for King Nebuchadnezzar and was put into power. So Darius is now in charge. So Darius issues a decree that says, you can only pray to me. Now, remember this. Some of his government officials had given him the ultimatum to do this or the idea to do this. He did it. Now, listen to this. Now, when Daniel, who's still in charge now, he's still one of the vice presidents, if you will, of Darius's kingdom in Babylon. When he learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows with the windows were opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asked God for help and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So again, they're basically daring him at that point. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the rings of the nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night worried without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. I want to stop right there before I read the rest of it. The king could have stepped in. He made a bad law, a bad order. He did not do it. So first and foremost, Kings or people in charge can make bad orders. The satraps and all the administrators that came to him to urge him to make the bad order also made a bad request. Wow. So they made a horrible request. So this is a time where this request, man's law, a king's law, was superseding God's law because God wants us to pray. Man says not to pray. So Daniel did anyway and took his chances and was thrown into the lion's den. What happened next? We know the story. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. Why did he go? He went because he knew he had done something wrong. But when you know you're getting ready to do something, King Darius, you should have stepped up against these uh, administrators and satraps and said, I'm not going to do that because that violates God's law. The point being, when man's law supersedes God's law, we need leaders that represent God's law to step up and refuse to obey man's law. So listen what happened next. When the king came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Mm. Daniel answered. He answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Well, the point being behind all this, ladies and gentlemen, is we live in a world where man's law is made continually to supersede God's law. When man's law supersedes God's law, 
We need leaders everywhere to step up. Step up, stand in the gap, if you will, interpose, if you will, get in between the disobedience and obedience and say, listen, I'm not going to stand for disobedience anymore. I'm not going to let myself or the people I represent go down. We need to stand up for what we believe in. Just like Daniel, be willing to risk it all. When Daniel was told not to pray, he went to his room and he prayed anyway, three times a day with the window open. So not only was he facing Jerusalem, he was not ashamed. He could have shut the window, I guess, and prayed in silence, and nobody would have ever known. He would have kept his position. Hmm. Aren't we seeing that today? People are afraid to recognize their faith because they're afraid to be recognized, because when they're recognized, they'll be ridiculed, and when they're ridiculed, they might lose some recognition. Friends, we need to step up. Today, like never before, God's laws are being challenged by man's laws. When God's laws are not stood up for, when they're not honored, chaos, evil, terror, and tyranny ensue. Friends, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to stand up for God's law. Won't you stand up too? The perspective tonight is challenging, but I encourage you to hear the words, to be like Daniel and step up, to do what Darius could have done, and said, no, we're not going to dishonor God. He could have. And the thing about this is he knew he did wrong, but he didn't do anything about it. A lot of people talk a good game, but they do nothing. Friends, won't we become doers instead of just mere talkers? God's law is to be honored. Honor God's law with everything you are. So we just got done with a wonderful perspective, but now we're going to talk about a little bit along those lines, the concept of standing in the gap. What does it mean to stand in the gap? What does it mean to really be the person who's willing to plug that hole, to stand up for a cause, to defend the wall, if you will, to defend the city? We have a scripture we're going to read for you tonight, and it's found in Ezekiel 22, verse 30. What does it say? And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Mm. Oof, that's a big statement. None. None. Not a one. And I think that's sad because this is the prophet Ezekiel looking around saying, I need somebody to stand in the gap. And it's interesting because standing in the gap creates a, a clear visual picture of someone willing to step up for someone else. An obvious application is the protective wall surrounding a city. If there was a, a breach in the wall, the enemies uh, could enter and attack the people. And that wouldn't be a good thing, but the troops that stood in the gap would be able to protect the opening and repel the invaders. That's very significant. And this provides a fail-safe, if you will, against harm when the primary defenses are breached. Our primary defenses in our country have been breached. We have allowed cracks into the foundation of Christianity and godly behavior. And when those cracks begin to show, things begin to leach in. Your enemy begin to get inside the city, which is our temples, Temple. right? Mm -hmm. So really understand that as our temples have been breached, we are looking for people once again to stand up and mm. step up in those gaps and protect 
the rest of the body of Christ from being breached or being harmed. All it takes is a few. So we read on that in the verses preceding this, actually in Ezekiel 22, 30, you know, God's basically getting on the Israelites for all their sins and saying, what are you guys doing? I can't believe this. And verses 22 through, or 23 through 29, about head of 30, all their sins are listed out and all their offenses. They defiled articles in the temple. Again, does that sound like familiar what we're doing today? Defiling articles in the temple, disregard the Sabbath, you know, the the rulers have grown wealthy at the expense of the poor. Sound familiar? That's what's happening then. It's also what's happening now. Mm. You know, they had extorted and robbed foreigners and oppressed the needy. That's happening, of course. False prophets had placated them, just preached so their ears would be itching and feeling good and tickled, you know, with misleading messages of hope and forgiveness. I think that's fascinating. We see that happening these days, don't we? We do. And it's, you know, it's just very disheartening that, you know, people don't want to get involved for fear they might Hmm. get something on them. Yeah. But if we remain silent, um, uh, we're not going to like the outcome of just turning the other cheek. You know, Jesus didn't really just Hmm. turn the other cheek. He took action. He did, and so sometimes when... He was a table-turner, wasn't he? He was a table-turner. He turned over the tables in the temple in Matthew, in the book of Matthew. Uh, He took ultimate action by allowing them to put him on a cross. So really, in effect, he stood in the gap for all of Mm. us. So he took it for us to protect us from the harm that would be the sin and the death and the destruction, which is to come for all of us who are unforgiven Sinners, And this is a big deal because we see in verse 30 here that Dr. Michelle just read, you know, God has said he's looking for someone to intercede. He's looking for someone to stand in the gap on behalf of the people. To stand in that gap is to advocate or speak up for them. It's to speak up for the impoverished, the needy, the poor, the ones that have been taken advantage of. But unfortunately, the prophet Ezekiel found nobody. So he finishes the proclamation by delivering a verdict of guilt and a promise of wrath upon the people. Friends, we got to be people that are willing to stand up, step up, and speak up, even if we're alone. I learned a long time ago that it's better to be uh, right and all alone than be in a crowd and be all wrong. Uh, It's a big deal in our world these days. We find it even in our world hard to stand sometimes, don't we? Well, you just wonder what the cataclysmic outcome of that is going to be. Is it going to take away your mm. your health? Is someone going to, you know, slit your throat or yeah. your wrists? Or, you know, is someone going to come crashing down and try to um, say false allegations against yeah. you? Or what's the other name for that? Slander. Yeah. I mean, in, in today's world, people can do uh, anything. Yeah, uh, and any man at any time can is capable of anything. The Bible has a history of people that actually did step up and stay in the gap. Just one of them, I call it kind of an example of a prior advocate, if you will, um, was was someone that stood up uh, in regard to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember the city in Sodom and Gomorrah? They were all into homosexuality, and really it was a bad city. It was a city where, where sin was commonplace, and the concept of man and man and woman and woman interrelations was 
not only the norm, but it was expected. And so even when visitors came to the city, there was a concept of someone trying to uh, rape or have relations with uh, the daughters or the sons of those families when they came in. So when God had determined finally to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah uh, because of the sin, he let Abraham um, in on his plans. So Abraham, remember, walked with God and was a man that had a relationship with God. So Abraham pleaded with God not to destroy the city. And he, he said, you know, sure, there's a handful of righteous people there that could be found. And he interceded. He actually stood in the gap between mm. God and the city. Think about this for a moment. Abraham was standing in the gap between God getting ready to destroy this city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Surely there's just one there, Lord. And he pleaded on our behalf. And he said, Maybe you can spare the city, Lord. God, if there's 50 good people here, would you spare the city? And God finally said, yes, I will. And no, I won't. Well, what if there's just 10? Well, okay, yes, I will. Finally, he decided with 10. So God listened to Abraham's request like that and promised that he would spare the city if those righteous people in the city could be found, if they could be found. Although the city was ultimately destroyed, as we know, Sodom and Gomorrah, fire came down from heaven, destroyed that city. God listened to Abraham coming on the defense of those people, on behalf of the people in the city. Uh, we need people today to stand up, step up, and be in that gap. It takes courage, doesn't it? It, it takes a lot of courage to stand there for all of those around you. I, I feel like sometimes Dr. Michelle and I stand up for, you know, really all of you. We want you to understand that the world out there is collapsing around you in the area of health care. There is no health care. It's sick care. And it's, it's, it's full of deception and deceit and, and, and profitable gain by using hardworking people like, like us and like you to capitalize on illnesses that are created by the very system that are designed to protect you. Uh, we need to understand that our health needs to be taken into our own hands. It should not be uh, allowed to be put into somebody else's hands because you just can't trust it. Now, you can trust Dr. Michelle and I because we live it out and we try to help you. Sometimes we feel like Moses saying, let my people go from the bondage of the city uh, that is Babylon and or Egypt. And so, you know, we feel like we're in a kind of a buzzsaw now. We're standing in the gap for you. So... The bottom line is um, we think that encouraging everybody to stand up is the right thing to do. We're willing to stand the gap for you. We want to save you from the outcome of sickness and disease and things like that. We want to help you go from sickness to wellness, from the concept of being in lack to the concept of being in abundance, uh, the concept of living in faith as opposed to fear, the concept of trusting God's system as opposed to trusting man's system. It's a big deal. Standing in the gap is not for the cowardice, right? Not for the weak at heart. (laughs) But the question for tonight is, before we close, is where are you? Are you one that has allowed things to happen and just let them go and just acquiesced, not said a thing? Or are you a person that says, you know what? I want to stand in the gap. I hope you're the second one, the latter. Be willing to stand the gap. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for God's law. Stand up for the right things. It may cost you something, but God's the one that protects you. If God closed the mouth of the lions for Daniel, and God did not singe the clothes, he kept him from getting burned of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If he indeed 
moved mountains, if he can do that, if he can knock out armies before God's people that outnumber them, if he can part the Red Sea that it's in front of the Israelites when the Egyptians are closing in on them, if he can do all those things, I'm sure he can strengthen you and I to stand up in the gap, even against all odds. Let's trust him, won't you? And let's learn to stand in the gap. We'll see you next week on Hope and Health. The name of this podcast is Hope and Health for a reason. With simple, consistent changes, you'd be amazed at the results we see in patients every day. There is hope for you. Give your body the healthy food it was created to enjoy, and it will thank you. The same goes for what you feed your mind. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our newsletter at Sherwood.tv to stay positive in a negative world. And remember to enroll on our hormones course at Sherwood.tv forward slash hormones. It includes a free ebook and a $20 discount on hormone-related treatments. If you don't live near our clinic in Tulsa, that's no problem. We treat patients from around the world. Thank you again for listening. Doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood and their clinic can help you find the hope and health you were created to enjoy. Go to Sherwood.tv for clear, proven ways you can be healthier. Subscribe at Sherwood.tv.